Hey, you guys, we're in the middle of, we're actually in part two of a brand new series we kicked off last week called All in the Family, All in the Family. And we're really excited. We're actually going to be doing this for six weeks. So last week was week one. Um, we're going we're gonna to keep going week two, week three, week four, all the way down to week six. It's going to be really good. So if you have your Bibles, if you would please open them up to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5. So the title of our talk, our talk today is, Can You See God? Can you see God? We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I do want to give you just a little idea of where we're going with this. We're week two, week one. Anybody remember what we talked about? It was blessed are the hunger and thirst. I'm going to help you out. Thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. So we're looking at the Beatitudes. Can everybody say Beatitudes? Beatitudes. We're looking at the Beatitudes, which is in the book of, of Matthew, and Jesus is talking on the sermon, uh, a sermon on a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going about talking about blessed are you if you do this, and blessed are you if you do this. So that's what we're doing. We're unpacking the, the Beatitudes in our series and how it relates to family. And so the challenge a lot of times with us as people who are in families all of us are a part of family. We all have a mom or a dad, or if not, we would not be here, right? And so, so the challenge with being families is that, is that sometimes we have some, some messes in our families, right? Uh, maybe you look at our family from the outside, and you say, wow, that family looks like such a role model. And then we're kind of like, and they come up to us, and they're like, wow, you guys look like you're such a united family. You have it all together. And we're like smiling like, if you only knew, right? Am I the only one? If you only knew, if you should come into our house and you see inside, our family is not quite as together as we think it is. And so that's why we've dedicated these weeks to talking about family and how we can be a family because our families, I, I said this last Sunday, our families are under attack. There's a real enemy who wants to steal, help me out, kill and destroy our families he does. He's not out to play patty cake with us, y'all. He's out to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, divide, or put a wedge between our families. And we are not going to allow it. Yeah, say, we're not going to allow it. So, so we've been doing this, this, this talk on, on, on the Beatitudes, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. And next week, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about blessed are the, the peacemakers. And in many families today, a lot of families, we have a lot of people in our families who take away our peace. We're going to talk about blessed are the peacemakers instead of peace takers, all right? And then the week after that, fourth week, we're going to see how, how blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because you are a family who follows the teachings of Jesus, you might get persecuted. And so we're going to talk about that. Week five, we're going to look at blessed are the merciful. Week six, we're going to talk about blessed are those who mourn. And so today what I want to do is I want to apply these beatitudes of seeing God in our families. Because honestly, I think most of us would say that there is Families out there that, that call themselves families that are religious, Christian families even. We talked about this last week that Gallup poll says that 75% of people in the United States call themselves Christians. And I have to be honest with you, this keeps me up at night. I think about all these folks that call themselves Christians, but they live as if he doesn't exist. It does, it keeps me up at night because I think about these folks who, who think 
that they're so religious and that's all they need to do is just be religious and, and that's good. But no, there's, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference about So I thought we would start our, our, our time off together by asking you guys a question. How many of you, it's kind of a weird question, but I'm going somewhere. How many of you guys have ever been robbed? Raise your hand. Anybody ever been robbed? Like me? I've been robbed like four times. I used to live in the hood, hood, but I didn't get robbed in the hood, hood. I lived in New York before Miami. I got robbed in Miami, which it depends on where you live in Miami. could be the hood, depends on where you are. But no, I lived in nice area. Well, not super nice, but I'll just say non-hoodish areas. Um, and I still got robbed. So it doesn't matter where we live. We get, I've never been robbed at gunpoint, but I will say I've had guns pulled on me, but not, not been robbed on gunpoint. But I, um, I, I've dedicated my life after being robbed, you learn it. Like once, you know, twice, three times, you kind of learn, all right, I got to think about my safety, think about where I'm at, my surroundings. And now that, you know, I'm married and have kids, I'm thinking about them. And, and so I've decided that instead of taking self-defense classes, although that would be a good idea, I've decided I'm just going to watch as many superhero action movies that I can watch because I, I classify them as instructional videos, so I can learn how to, you know, if they can do it, they're teaching me how I can be, you know, wow, you know, Black Panther, I love his moves. I, I just need the mask, and I'm telling you, I can tear it up pretty good. But, but, so, but what's interesting is in our culture today is that we're applauded for protecting our kids physically right? As they're walking outside, we're like, okay, make sure you put the helmet and the elbow pads and the knee pads just to get the mail to go outside. We protect them so much, but when it comes to the areas of morality to protect their hearts, we often get called what? Overprotective, helicopter parent. I don't know if you've ever been called, I've been, I've called myself that sometimes. I'm like, I think I'm a little bit, but, but we're, we're applauded for protecting them physically, but people make fun of us when we try to protect them morally. Can somebody say yes? So we're going to find out that God actually calls us to protect, not only the physical nature, but to protect the purity of their hearts. And just as I was robbed physically, I believe we have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob our families of our purity to break in, to kill, to steal, to, to destroy our innocence and our trust. And I believe the reason he wants to, to rob our purity is because I believe that the scriptures teach us that God, uh, that, God our, that our purity directly impacts our relationship and our, our, our ability to see God. That's why the, the title of our talk today was, Can You See God? The beatitude, Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and so we're going to read it. It's our key verse for today. He said, blessed are the what? Let's all say it together. He said, blessed are the? For when we are pure in heart, what will we see, you guys? He said, for they will see God. And I'll come back to that part of, uh, of the end of the message. At the end of the message, I'll come back to that. But, but let's start with blessed are the pure in heart. Now, the word for heart there is, in the Greek, is the word cardia. It's where we get our, our words for cardiac, which means heart, right? And, and so cardiac, heart, it, it, it's where we get. Now, Jesus is using that word, but he doesn't literally mean that place where all the veins and the arteries, he's, he's using a metaphorical uh, uh, allusion to saying, blessed are those who have a pure, pure in, their, in their minds, in their souls, 
right? Not, not talking about pumping blood in your veins. He's talking about e- emotions and, 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 and the feelings because that's kind of like where your heart is, that inner self. And so what I want to say very clearly today is that this message and this verse right here, there's something a lot more broader that this verse is trying to explain. But for our purposes today, we're going we're gonna to zone in and, 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 and get a little more specific about what he's talking about. But this, this verse is talking about our attitudes and our motives and our thoughts towards others. He's talking a lot more than what we're going to talk about today, but we're just going we're, we're gonna to narrow our focus. For our purposes, I want to narrow that scope down just a little bit and talk about the moral purity and apply it to our homes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Let's all say it together. Blessed are the what? pure in heart for what will happen you guys for they will see God so in our world today in our world today it's very common for us to believe of ourselves and of other people that oh oh, oh, that person they have a good heart I I know they're in court right now facing some murder charges but 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 you know moms always think that about their kids right I know that they're about to get in trouble right now, and they deserve to get in trouble, but they have such a good what? Heart. I know the guy I'm dating, say you're a girl, I know the guy I'm dating is, is a loser, right? doesn't have a job, and, 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 and he's living with his parents, and he, he's not doing anything with it's not going anywhere, but he's got such, and, and he smokes weed, right, for dinner, but he's got such a good what? Heart. He's got such a good heart. Blessed are the, what, you guys? Say it again. Blessed are the pure in heart for what will happen? For they will see God. For they will see God. For they will see God. Here's a thought if you're taking notes. We need to understand that without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. None of us are pure. None of us have a good heart. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, it says this. The heart is what? It is, help me out, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It is deceitful. It lies to us, you guys, and it deceives us. Who can understand it? God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The heart is deceitful above all things. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul, he said something really profound to the believers in Ephesus. And he said this, those who were Gentiles, he's talking to them, they had drifted from their faith and, and they were, there was also folks who were non-believers and he said, they're darkened in their understanding. Everybody say darkened. darkened. They're darkened in their understanding and they're, and, and, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to what? He said due to the hardening of their hearts. There it is again. They're darkened in their understandings. They've separated, they're they're separated from the life that God wants them uh, to have because of their ignorance. They don't even realize it because their hearts have grown hard to the things that matter most. They're darkened in their understanding. How many of you have ever walked into a movie theater and the lights are completely dark and you're like, whoa, and then 
as you're there, your eyes get adjusted, and you're like, oh, okay, now I can see. But anybody ever done that before? You walk into a movie theater, and it's like super dark, and you just kind of get hit by like, I can't see anything. It's super dark in here, right? You're like, please don't spill the candy and the popcorn that I have in the purse that I'm trying to smuggle in, right? But be careful. It's dark. I can't see anything. But, but, but suddenly, your eyes get so much better, and they adapt, and they just adjust to the darkness. Could it be that in the majority of our families, that we love, that we are separated from the life of God because we've been darkened in our understanding, because our ignorance and our hearts have hardened, and we don't even recognize, we don't even recognize that we're missing seeing the goodness of God because we've allowed much impurity in our families, and we don't even know it. Can somebody say yes? He goes on to say this in verse 18, I mean 19. Having lost what? Everybody say it aloud. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. There, there are a few verses that might better describe, in my opinion, our culture today. What? Having lost all sensitivity, our culture has given itself over to all sorts of sensuality and indulging in every kind of impurity. Now, in our lives and in our families, we love them and we want to protect them at all costs. We want to guard our marriages. We want to protect the next generation. And so honestly, we would never do anything like give a little baby some poison, right? We would never tell our child to jump in a pool full of acid, right? We would never do that, right? We would never do that. And yet, so many times we allow our 15-year-old daughter to go date a 15-year-old hairy-legged boy, pubescent boy, who's got some, you've never met, who's got some intentions that, that you would not approve of. Somebody say yes, right? We, we, we do this. Could it be that one of the reasons our families are not blessed from the inside out is because our hearts have been hardened and we've been darkened in our understanding and without even knowing it, we've lost all sensitivity and we're indulging now in every kind of evil. What's going to be different in our lives? What is it going to take for us to be different? Well, if you missed last week, uh, I, we, we had a key thought, and I want to revisit it because it may sound like a nuance, but we're, we're keying in on this, on this topic. We're saying, we're saying look, we're, we're going to have a different shift, a different way of thinking, and here's what we're going to be. We're saying that we're not just going to be a family with faith. We're not just going to be a religious family. We're not just going to call ourselves a Christian family. We're not just a family with faith, but what are we? We're a family that follows, help me out, the teachings of of Jesus. I know it may sound kind of similar, but way different, way different. If you missed last week, you can catch the podcast, but you might say, you know what, what's the difference? I, I explained it a lot better, but in our culture today, honestly and sadly, it doesn't mean a lot to us, you know, to call ourselves a Christian family or a family of faith. Uh, you know, I told you guys that 75% of people in America call themselves Christians, but there's a difference between calling yourself a Christian and living like you really believe what he says. There's a big difference 
When you say Jesus is first in every single way of my life, he's not just a part of my life, what I do on Sundays or what I do at Christmas time or what I do at Easter, but he is my life. If we want the blessing of God, then we need to learn to live according to his word. Can somebody say yeah? yeah. So it's exactly what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. He asked this question, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Man, if you got kids, you want to you memorize this verse. You want to write this down, okay? You're, if you're a young person, it's a great question. How can, in, in the world we live in today, in the world that's changing so much today, how can a person, with all the temptations that are going on, how can we be on the path of purity? Here's what the culture would tell us. The culture would tell us, hey, just follow your heart. Just follow your, whatever, you know, just let, let your, let, just, just follow it. Listen to me. That's the poorest advice you could ever tell anyone. Don't follow your heart. We just read verses. It says that your heart is deceitful. I've seen married couples, you guys. Married couples become divorced. You know why? Because they followed their heart. I just don't feel like being married anymore. I just, I got to follow my heart because he's, he's, he's into, you know, the family thing and I've, I got to travel still. And so I've seen families be destroyed and divided because they decided to follow their hearts. How can a young person keep their way pure? Here's what the psalmist says. It says, by what? God, by living according to what? By living according to your word. And here's what I'm going to do. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not, let me be, do not let me stray from your commands. I, I've applied this verse today. I've changed it up a little bit to apply it to families today. And I want you to see it because that's what we're talking about just for application's sake. It's a different translation, but it's, it's a verse that I, I, I kind of changed it up and I want to share it with us. How can our family stay on the path of purity? Here's the answer. Not by following our hearts. That's not what it says there, okay? Not by, but by living according to your word. We will seek you with what? We will seek you with all of our hearts. God, do not let us stray from your commands. Now, for those of you that are married, or no, for those of you that aren't married, you guys are sitting here, you're listening, you're like, yeah, Pastor Abdi, sock it to him, let him know, they gotta follow, you're like, you know, I'm not married, so it doesn't really apply to me, it's a family, right, I don't have a family yet, so this really doesn't apply, but yeah, go get him, Abdi, listen, I wanna tell you something, I wanna tell you something, you can't build a foundation, you can't build a, a foundation of, 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 of good uh, principles of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You can't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. I didn't get enough amens on that one. I just wanted you to say yes. So I'm going to say it one more time. You can't build a foundation, a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. That was good. That's better. That's better. All right. So if you want a harvest of righteousness in your family later, guess what? You got to plant seeds now of righteousness in the ground today. How can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word. So let's do this. 
Let's just acknowledge that just, just perhaps in our homes, in our, our eyes have grown accustomed to the darkness, that we're like in that movie theater. And, and, and so at first it was a shock, but now it's kind of like we've gotten accustomed and our hearts have been hardened and we don't even see the ways that we've let impurity become a part of our lives. How can we go against the flow? Not just a family with faith, not just call ourselves a Christian family. Can somebody say, yeah. But, but to actually follow the teachings of Jesus, truly want to raise a generation that puts Christ first and honors him in every single way. How can we practically create a culture of purity in our families? I'm so glad you asked. I want to talk to you guys about that, all right? I'm going to give you three things, and it's a different, different thoughts, but I want to give you three things today because the first thing we need to understand is that it's not going to happen by accident. We're not going to wake up 20 years later with our kid being 20, right, and say, oh, look, my kid is holy now. Uh-uh. It's not going to happen. We actually have to do stuff in our lives. We have to be, we have to be intentional, all right? We have to, it's not by accident. It's not going to happen. We've we got to be intentional. So three thoughts, if you're taking notes. The first thing is, let's start with ourselves. Number one, protect our own heart. Protect our own heart. Let's just start right there. Protect our heart. Make our hearts right. I don't care if we're 18 or 88. It still applies to us. I believe that we set the tones in the relationship that are around us. We set the tone, right? No matter where where we are, we lead toward purity. In fact, Solomon said this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. He said, here's my best advice. Above everything else, else look he's saying if you forget everything else i said so far just remember this above everything else above everything else what did he say he said to do what he said to guard your heart or protect that's where i got number one from protect for everything you do flows from it guard your heart everybody say guard your heart while i drink some water Do you guys hear what I'm doing? Okay, I hope not. Sorry, sorry. So when we're looking at how do we behave, what do we do, what do we allow into our lives, into our families? What do we want to be influenced by? What do we want to read and what do we want to watch and what kind of entertainment do we want to have? Somebody say yes. All right. And so what kind of friends are we going to allow closest to us? What kind of things are we going to feed our minds? And what kind of thoughts do we want to have? How do we decide what's right? And how do we decide what's not right? Well, a lot of people would say this. They would say, well, let your conscience be your guide. Almost as bad as saying follow your heart, all right? The problem is that for even us who are believers, Scripture teaches us that our conscience can actually be seared or rendered insensitive as though it had been catarized by a hot iron in first timothy chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 you can read that and such a conscience that is hardened and and calloused it no longer has any feeling of anything a person with a seared conscience no longer listens to its promptings and he or she can sin with abandon not even considering it they delude themselves into thinking all is well with my soul there's nothing wrong with me and treat others insensitively and without compassion. We just, I don't know if you guys heard the news this week, but a, a grand man of God was just, had to resign because he was accused of sexual harassment, a pastor. 
And it, shot, it, it, it grieved me because I'm like, man, I, 40 years in ministry, like I kind of wanted to be like you. Not anymore. Not anymore. I just didn't realize, you know, he was living and he just, his heart had been hardened. He's denying it, but everybody around him is saying, you did it. And so, hey, he did it. I just want to say it's not unlikely that he did it. And so, how, you know, how can you do this? How can you do this in the world? And in our, my, my, my wife would say to me over the years, you know, Abdi, I think some things we're going to watch in the movies and some shows you're watching, I don't know about these things. And I'm like, ay, babe, you're just being like my wife, like, you know, Miss Perfect. And I'm like, nah, I just let, babe, don't, don't be so, you know, wound up you know just take a chill you know just watch this with so so i'll tell you a story i'm not kind of not really that i'm a little embarrassed about but i'll tell you last week we drove up to uh, savannah so uh, by the way my wife just finished a half marathon last saturday yes i want to recognize that absolutely good job Yes, and so we were driving up to Savannah 10 hours in the van, and, and then we were driving back. So on the way up, you know, we're listening to the Bible on, on audio and worship and all that. I love it all, right? It's all good. 10 hours. It was great. It was great. So on the way back, we started again, worship and everything, and, and so everybody kind of started doing that. The boys in the back listening to, you know, playing their video, whatever, and my wife is starting to doze off a little bit. I'm driving. I'm getting a little sleepy, and I'm like, oh, man, I got I to gotta stay awake. She's like, well, what do you want to listen to? And I'm like, oh, why don't you put on this talk show host, the late night talk show host. And she's like, you want to watch that? I'm like, we have kids in the car. I'm like, ah, but they're doing their own thing. Just put the volume down and volume up for us. And don't worry about it. It's all good. And so I, I'd seen him a couple clips of him and I thought he was pretty funny. I was like, just put him on. She puts him on and you have to tell me, I don't want to exaggerate, but within like the first five to 10 seconds, I was like, turn it off, babe, wake up, turn it off, turn it off. I didn't realize I didn't realize this guy's, I'd never seen his show before. I just saw clips, 10 seconds a year, 20 seconds. I was like, wait a minute. And I started to dawn. I had 10 hours to think about this. So I started to dawn on me. I'm like, you know, I wonder how many times I've heard him say the same things or worse, and I never said anything, blinked an eye about it, just thought. But now that I'm with my, with a, my wife, now that I'm with, I'm listening, and my, ki- my kids really couldn't hear, but my wife, I'm listening with different set of ears. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, she was sleeping, but still, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. This is not good. Why? Because my heart had become insensitive to things that prior to, I just, at first maybe it was the shock of the darkness, but then it was like, ah, you know, whatever. Let's just listen. It's all good. It's in our culture. And, and so to quote my mom, and I have to admit this, just because everybody runs off a cliff, doesn't mean that what? You should either. Thanks, Mom. I appreciate you telling me about that. Just because everybody else is doing that doesn't mean that we should do it. If everybody else is saying, just because it's funny. I mean, I know this, this is, I, I, I know this, this kind of sounds, but what if I, I say a joke that's really crude, but it's funny? It's hilarious. What if I, I said a sexist joke or a racist joke that was really funny, Does that make it okay, you guys, because it's funny? You can say no. No, funny doesn't make wrong right. Funny never makes wrong right. And so God help us to get our hearts right. And I guarantee you that just like me, all of us have been deceived in one way or another. If there's conversations that I have that are impure, God, would you please convict me? 
If I'm thinking things that are impure, God, would you please convict me? If I'm allowing things in my home that are impure, God, would you please convict me? Would you show me? If I've got relationships or friendships that take me down more than I bring up, God, would you please, more than I bring them up, show me, God, convict me if I'm being entertained by things that are wrong to you, God. Would you please show me, God, help me get my heart right first and to protect my heart, if you're taking notes, that's the first one. The second thing, if you're taking notes, and this is so, so important, and that is to parent to the heart. Everybody say parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. I came across this book years ago before my babies were even born. I got two little boys, and it was called Shepherding Your Child's Heart. And that's where I got this point from. Parent to the heart. Most of us, we parent to the actions. In other words, all we want is the behavior modification. But, but, but we forget to focus on their heart. All through Scripture, in the Old Testament, when Samuel was anointing a king, you can see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, when he went to David, he said to, 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 to those around, to Jesse, is the, David's dad, so he said, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But where does God focus? The Lord looks where? At the heart. The heart. God looks at the heart. In fact, Jesus was so emphatic and so, so fanatic about the heart. In the Old Testament, uh, Scripture taught, don't murder. You know what Jesus said? You've heard it said, don't murder. But what did Jesus do? He, he, he talked to the heart. He said, but hey, don't even hate. Don't even hate. If you've hated, you've committed murder in your what? In your heart. In the Old Testament, it said, don't commit adultery. Jesus taught to the heart. He said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery where? In your heart. He hammered the Pharisees who had the outward behavior right. And we got to give it to them. The Pharisees, they had the outward behavior pretty good. They looked pretty good on the outside, like some of us. We look pretty good on the outside right? We look pretty good, but what did Jesus say? I mean, we got to give it to them. They did good on the outside, but on the inside, Jesus says, yeah, but your inside is what needs to be cleaned. You're dirty on the, your heart is filthy. Think about this. When Jesus was talking about, hey, but your, your dishes, he was using dishes as an example, like your bowl. On the outside, it looks clean, but on the inside, it's filthy. Where do we eat? On the outside of the bowl, on the inside. On the inside. The inside is the most important so when we're working with our kids, we don't want to just settle for outward submission. When we still want in, when they're still just inside pouting. I, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? My boys do this all the time. And I'm telling them, hey, go say, go apologize to your, to your brother. And he runs up, you know, one of them, it doesn't matter which one. One of them, I'm sorry, you dumb, silly, I hate you. It's like, all right, so the behavior, you did say, I'm sorry, but in his heart, he's far from really being sorry, right? In his heart, he's, being far, he's far from it. So you tell him to apologize, but they're just pouting about it. They're, they're so far away from it. So, so we don't just stop loving them. We have to love them toward a right heart, not just towards actions, but a heart. Well, you can't go to that party. Fine, mom, I hate you. I hate you. I don't ever want to talk to you again. All right, so they don't go to the party. We got the action, but their heart is so far. No, wait a minute. That's not acceptable. Not in this house. You can't talk like that here. 
But let's talk a little bit more about what's going on, but what's behind that anger. Here's the why. I want to tell you why you can't go to the party. I want to tell you why, why it's so important, because the heart really matters. And so we continue to talk, but we parent to the heart. The heart really, really matters. Right actions come out of a right heart. Why do you think when kids turn 18, what do you think they do? They skedaddle. They leave the house. Why? And they go crazy. Why? Because they were submitted on the outside, right? But their hearts, they want to do their own thing. And so we parent to the heart. We're working toward purity of the heart. Now, if I haven't offended you yet, the last point will certainly do it for you. If I haven't made you uncomfortable, and we're going to raise the standard even higher. You ready? The third point is this. Number three. First thing is we're going to what? Protect our hearts. Help me out. Number two is we're going to parent to the heart. Right. And number three, which is the most important one in our families. As, as we want to be families who follow the teachings of Jesus, we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. We're going to do this. The reason I chose the word pursue is because we can't achieve it on our own. But with the help of the power of God, we're going to pursue perfect purity. What does perfect purity look like? Isn't that raising the standard a little high? Because think about it, perfect. But listen, the definition of purity is that there's no blemishes in it, right? That's pure. So it's exactly, I'm just supporting the word purity, perfect purity pursue perfect purity anything less is not pure and so we're going to pursue this in the heart of our families ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 paul said this he said but among you there must not even be a what don't miss this he said among you there must not even be a what a hint everybody say it again there must not even be a hint say it one more time you didn't sound like convincing to me there must not even be a all right, of sexual immorality, not even a hint, not even a little itty bitty insy weeny teeny tiny, right? Pop quiz, let me ask you guys some questions. Would committing adultery with four people be a hint of sexual immorality, yes or no? The answer is yes. I'm going to help you out with that one. That was a hard one. No, it wasn't. Okay, would sleeping with 75% of the people you date before you're married, would that be a hint of sexual immorality, yes or no? All right, so would just looking lustfully at images on a screen breaking our wife's heart, would that be considered a hint of sexual immorality, yes or no? If some hot girl walks into the gym and you're like, Thank you, God. She looks great. We just worship you. Glory to God. Praise God. Is that, would that be wrong? Yes, not even a hint of sexual immorality. According to Jesus, it actually would be wrong. Not even a hint. We're pursuing perfect purity in our families. He goes on to say this. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Or of what? He said, or of any kind of impurity, nothing of greed or whatever because these are improper for God's holy people. The question is, how much impurity do we want to let in? That's the question. Let me tell you a story. 
about a young boy who went to his mom, 12-year-old boy, went to his mom, and he said, Mom, can I see this movie? It's PG-13. He was 12. And yes, it has some bad words in it and some stuff happens, but it's only a little bit. It's only a little bit. What do you think, Mom? And she said, I don't think you should go see that. Come on, Mom, you never let me go see this. All my friends are going. Come on, please, you gotta let me. I wanna see this movie. Only a little bit of bad words. She goes, okay, but before you do, I'm gonna bake you some brownies. So she went into the kitchen, started cooking some brownies. She stopped. She went outside. She had a dog. He had pooped. She grabbed a little bit of poop, went back into the kitchen, mixed it in the brownies. Brownies came out smelling nice and yummy, little fudge on them. She said, here you go, here's some brownies. But before you eat them, let me just tell you, there's only a little, just one spoonful of poop in the brownies. But feel free, here you go. The, the boy, the boy said, ew, I'm not going to eat that. No, 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 don't worry, it's just a little bit of poop, not a lot. I just grabbed one little spoonful, that's it. Look, smell it. It smells good. Go ahead. He's, no, mama, that's gross. That's gross. I'm not going to do that. I love saying poop because kids love poop, especially young people. have poop, poop, poop. All right, so you just say poop in church, and everybody loves it. They love that. They love that poop. So I want to tell you the very first time, the very, very first time I kissed my wife. You know when it was? The day... I got married. When that pastor went, said those magic words, you may kiss the bride, I was like, yes, been waiting for this moment. That was the very first time that I kissed my wife. The very first time. Now, it was a horrible kiss. I needed to practice. But, but it was my first time that I kissed my wife. Now, why do I tell you that story? You can clap if you want to. Why do I tell you that story? Because I want to pursue perfect purity. Everybody say, not even a hint. See, the goal was not that Marie and I would be virgins when we got married. That wasn't the goal, although we were. That was not the goal. Our goal was so much more higher. And you guys are like, do you live in this world today? <laughs> you didn't even kiss her till you got married. Like, like in our city, Miami, really? You, that, that, that doesn't even compute. What are you talking about? You didn't kiss her until the day you got married. No, we didn't. Because our goal was not to be virgin. You know, I, I had so many friends. They were technical virgins, right? They did every, they, they, were, they practiced naked gymnastics. They were awesome. Everything but the actual thing, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, so technically, they were virgins. But that's it. In their hearts, they were far from purity, far from pure. And so in our, in our lives, not that we were perfect, we had other relationships before the one, the one I married. And we messed up plenty of times, so we knew that this was not the way we wanted to go. And so we said, no, our goal is not not to have sex. Our goal is we want to pursue what? Pursue perfect purity. If you aim high, you're probably going to hit high. If you aim low, you're probably going to hit low. So our goal was let's go for broke. Let's do this so we can honor God. Not because we're trying to skirt as close as we can to the edge without falling in. 
We're going to stay way far away from that. That's not going to even be an issue for us. We're going we're to do other things for, because we want to honor God because we want to pursue perfect purity in our lives. We, we also, we asked ourselves the question while we were dating. We asked ourselves, how do we want to tell our story? How do we want to tell our story? Like, like this month, in a couple weeks, we're, we're getting ready to, to celebrate 10 years of marriage. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, cool. 10 years. How, and so we thought about this 11 years ago. We thought, how do we want to tell our story? 10 years from now, how do we want to sit our kid down and ask him those kind of questions? Hey, or our daughter, if we, you know, uh, we didn't know what we were going to have at that point, and so we had two boys. How are we going to talk to them about this if we ourselves, that's what we were doing, asking ourselves, how do we want, and I want to encourage all of us here, ask yourself the question, if you're 20 years old today, if you're 40 years old, if you're, how do you want to tell your story five years from now, 10 years from now? How do you want to tell your story? Listen, when we find purity by the power of God, not just moral purity, but when God starts to change our hearts and we stop desiring what we once desired and start desiring what matters to God, it's a higher goal. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see what? Say it with me. For they will see God, imagine if we could see God, if we could see God answer our prayers when we prayed. Imagine if we could see God just, just show up as, as we're, we're, we're trying to help other people. Imagine if we could see God as we make a difference in other people's lives. God used us to make a difference. If we could see God use us in our spiritual gifts and see and sense the presence of God with us and see his power at work in our lives. If we could see God, see his goodness following us all of the days of our life. If we could see God working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When we are pure in heart, we can see the power of God in a way that we would never have ever imagined. Now some of us, we're going, well that's great for you, Mr. Virgin Pastor. But I screwed up big time. My heart is obviously messed up and I've done things that are wrong, and I'm so far off. Listen, I never said I was perfect. Far from it. I have messed up plenty of times. It is a miracle by the grace of God I am standing before you. I don't deserve it. But because of God's grace, all right? Uh, so I, I never said I was perfect. We, 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 we may have more in common than you actually think. My heart is deceitful above all things. That's why I learn and I lean on the word of God. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, when God says, I'm not gonna ask you to make your own heart better, but he says, I will give you a what? God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Some of us, you guys, our hearts have grown hardened. Listen, if any of that stuff I've talked about today you're offended by, you're pushing back, could it be that your heart has grown hard? He says, I will give you a new heart and remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh because there is a standard of righteousness that we cannot achieve on our own. It takes the power and the goodness of our God 
through Jesus Christ. And when we seek him and we know him, we're not just a family of faith, but we're a family who follow the teachings of Jesus. And suddenly, the standard rises and the power of God shows up and, 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 and then a new heart we get and we're different. Blessed are the pure in heart. God, help us to be pure in heart so that we can see you in our lives like we've never seen you before.